the the good ones earn what they make one million percent they are worth every penny that you end up arguably paying them or not paying them when you purchase right they 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 do their job and they're consummate professionals right and so i would i i'm i would never and have never been the kind of guy who's going to go and ask that broker to give up points to make a deal work a because if 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 you're having to ask him for a point that deal it's not a deal right it's it's just not how it pans out but so brokers fantastic i have relationships with a lot of them right still still haven't had any deals come from those brokers but uh uh that takes time right and track record and like you said they got to make sure that you can deliver and actually close you're listening to the gorilla state investing podcast We're not here to bruise your bananas with guru sales pitches, overrated fluff, or any other kind of monkey business. We simply provide the ground-pounding truth about what it takes to be successful in real estate. So the way I've been doing these podcasts is I just hit record and we start talking. There's no uh, bullshit introduction, all that crazy stuff of cookie cutter. We're just going to talk, see what's up. Uh, but I want to start, just let you introduce yourself, basically. I think it's a lot better than me jumping through and reading your bio word for word. Why don't you yeah. just tell us you know, who you are, where you're from, uh, what you got going on now, why real estate? Basically, the floor is yours, Abe. Hit it, man. Sounds good. Um, so uh, uh, I, I, my story is entirely too long, and I don't want it to be the majority of the podcast. I think you've heard the long version already. Um, so I've heard it, but uh, our listeners haven't heard it. So keep okay. it as short as you can. All right. So uh, I was 17 when I joined the Navy. My dad was in the Army for 30 years. And so when I joined, uh, I'd, I had had a pretty good example from him. He always bought the house that we lived in, and then he'd get PCS, and he would rent that out. And uh, uh, so I, I grew up seeing my dad uh, investing in real estate. And so I was, I, I was 18. And uh, I just tacked on uh, E5 because I went in uh, the military as an E3 from being an Eagle Scout. And uh, so I was able to uh, hit that pretty quick and get off base, get my BAH. And so I was like, I'm going to buy, I'm going to start buying houses. And so I uh, bought uh, a condo in Hawaii. Uh, I think it closed right after I turned 19. Uh, I was on my way to um, Afghanistan, actually, uh, pretty pretty short order after that uh so got back and started uh getting overextended and buying too much and getting into renovations that i had no business being in and i lost my ass man and uh ran away with my tail between my legs uh for five six years uh and moved around to a bunch of different states and tried to go to college using my 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 gi bill and uh uh, did, did not finish college. Uh, I wasn't built for that shit. Uh, and so, uh, uh, ended up, uh, in sales. Uh, didn't realize that I, all I'd done my entire life was just build relationships, uh, from moving around as an army brat and then also being in the Navy and 
getting stationed on different ships and all that stuff. And so ended up uh, finding a pretty good strength in, in sales. So I did door-to-door sales, uh, Long Island, New York for two years, uh, met my, my girlfriend uh, there. And uh, she became a recruiter, a corporate recruiter. She got recruited by a recruiter to be a recruiter. Uh, and then I saw what she was doing with that. And I was like, that sounds pretty cool. Uh, larger, larger paydays, longer pipeline. Your product is human though. So you're, you're, you're selling people at that point, right? What were you selling door to door? Uh, I was selling Verizon Fios. And then I also worked for a company. And so Verizon Fios is a TV phone and internet solution uh, for the Northeast uh, they used to be other places. And then a company called frontier bottom, you guys might have frontier down there in, 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 in Shreveport. I'm not sure, but, uh, and then I worked for power home remodeling and they're now the largest exterior home remodeler in the country windows, roofing, siding, the patented technology and all their products. I sound like I'm trying to sell it right now. All right, back on the track. Let's get it back on the track. Okay. Yeah, so you're yeah, doing door-to-door yeah, sales. Yeah, you meet your, you meet your girlfriend now who's doing recruiting. Uh, yeah. how did that lead to the real estate? So I ended up doing uh, recruiting with her in Manhattan. We worked a few blocks from Wall Street and uh, did the did the rat race living in Rockaway, Queens and uh, did that for a year. And we were like, fuck this. We can do this on our own. And so we went and we started our own business, sold everything that we owned, uh, packed a backpack each and moved to 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 Costa Rica. Uh, <laughs> wow. And so we started operating, uh, out of, out of Costa Rica, which was a dream and a half, uh, and then ended up coming back, uh, right around when COVID hit. And, uh, so we had some, some challenges in that business with, pe- with people getting laid off and trying to invoice and stuff. And I was like, everything I'm doing is to get back to real estate. So I just started cold calling uh, podcast guests off of bigger pockets. Uh, didn't even, hadn't even really looked at multifamily yet, but, uh, in that process, there was this guy, uh, his, his name's Will Brown and he was 20 years old and he had had made like 800,000 in wholesaling fees. And, uh, but he was like, nah, I'm out. I'm in L uh, I'm in LA now. I have an AI startup that I'm doing now. And he knew this guy, uh, here in Hampton Roads where I'm at. And so I went down, met him. We put in an offer on a building that I had called on and started working on some multifamily stuff. I listened to 300 podcasts from Michael Blanc and did the Rod Cleef stuff and all that stuff, not 300, but uh, uh, 200 and change. And so I moved down here and was uh, wholesaling in, in single family, but ultimately uh, as an asset class, multifamily just really, uh, attracted me because of the long-term growth and wealth. And of course, listening to all the big guys and the gurus, they tell you how to do it, like, like by the book to the T and they, and they're great. And everything that I know completely started and, and came from those guys, but they paint this picture that is a lot more rosy and, and, but to be fair, four or five years ago, it, it, it was true. It worked. And now just with the asset class being what it is, I was like, fuck, what am I going to do? And so I started my own group, uh, for multifamily investing. And they actually came from prospects from doing wholesaling, uh, uh, and, and, uh, 
I was trying to buy their properties. And what's funny, one of my partners now, uh, his name is Mike Makala, but uh, I actually live in the property that I originally called him on. Wow. <laughs> like, like the original lead, he's got like 10 properties, but somehow I ended up living in the one, the lead that I had from him and the rest is pretty much history. And so we've just been really focusing on how to pivot and get creative instead of knocking down the front door uh, trying to call brokers and do what everyone else is doing. We, we got a zig where everybody else zags. And so we're doing some direct to seller stuff. We got some stuff that's built off of that. Uh, we're looking at trying to uh, come in the side windows and, 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 and instead of knocking down the front door. Right. So, yeah. Yeah. Hey, before we get into that, I, I really want to talk about that because I'm familiar with what you got going on, but obviously our listeners aren't, sure, and I want you to sure. dive deep into that, but the whole point of the, <laughs> the whole point. Yeah, no, it's great. That was, um, that was to the point quick, great story. I love it. Uh, back to what you said about you went to the boot camps and you listened to the podcasts from, you know, the big names like the Rod Khalifs and the Michael Blancs. We went to the Neil Bawa boot camp. Um, I want to try that one. Yeah. It's, it's the same. It's, he's a syndicator, very successful syndicator runs a two and a half day boot camp. What I loved about it, there was no upsell. It was basically like, here's the information. Here's how you do this. Slap on the butt. Hey, good luck. If you need us, we're here. There's not, hey, give me 10 grand and I'll tell you more. He gave us everything. And I don't know, I can't speak for Michael Blanc and these other ones and some other gentlemen. I'm sure they're really, really good. But we're trying to get to the truth of the matter here on this podcast. This is all about no fluff, no bullshit. Like, let's get to the, the truth, okay? And like you said, they paint a picture that this thing is really easy. Here's the, here's the book, read the book and just go do it. What's the truth? Hey, what, what's your take on it? it? That's a, that's an interesting, that's an interesting question. Uh, so I think that, I think that, I think that the picture that they paint is, is, is very much so it is, it is fluffy uh, uh, and, 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 and some of these guys more than others, they are more honest about, Hey, this, this shit is hard. Right. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't, it, it, it takes work. Um, I think that the, the, the timing right now is what makes it more of a rosy picture and makes it tougher. Uh, I mean, when we look at even the single family market, which is a great indicator for, for leading, uh, on the, the multifamily side, it's offers are 10, 20% over asking with escalation clauses by 30% for people to purchase primary residences. It's absolutely fucking crazy. Yeah. And, and, and we could jump down a massive rabbit hole of why and what's going on. And, 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 but, but it's hard, it's hard. And, uh, so like right now we're negotiating a 16 unit, uh, building here, uh, in our market in Hampton roads. And, uh, we actually are going to be able to take it like MLO, right. Which for that's, that's the problem. I, I, I somewhat have with any of the gurus is that <laughs> they may touch on it. They may have, have, a podcast where they interview someone that's doing that, but 
the nitty gritty and, and with, with what you said about having uh, the guy that you guys went through the boot camp with is that he, he, he gave you everything. Right. And so did he cover any creative financing? Did he cover any of that stuff? Well, it was two and a half days and he covered, you know, 12 different subjects into it's a, it's a, it's information overload, but he, he brought in um, some speakers and one was a lender talking about the financing uh, options, but it didn't, it didn't dive too, too deep into creative financing. I think sure. that's, that's things that you as a syndicator or an investor have to figure out sometimes on your own, right? Right. These, these gurus are going to give you the playbook. But like you said, inside that playbook, you have to zig and zag to yep. fit what you want to do and, and come and each deal is different. Each deal requires different type of financing, different type of offer terms. Maybe you found the deal through a broker. Maybe you found it through a friend. Maybe you found it on the MLS. Every deal is different. So the, the gurus are giving you the playbook, but you got to understand that it's not just a cookie cutter for every, every deal you do. You can't approach it like that. And the, and the, the, the most frustrating part for me coming out the gate was like, all right, cool. So I've got a deal. How much am I supposed to get? Like when I go and I go to a deal desk that anybody has, like, what's my portion? What am I supposed to get on that? And, and, and that's not something that's widely talked about. And so anybody that is trying to break in, like, you're not, you're, you, you're not, equipped to be able to defend your position even very well and, and i think that was actually one of the more frustrating parts and 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 luckily i've i've i'd met uh the right sponsors to where i'm just like hey man however we want to work this out i know i'm new i know that you have leverage i know you're probably going to take lion's share all i ask is like when, when we look back at this five years from now I'm not going to look at you and go, Hey, yeah, you, you, you bet me over on that one. Didn't you? Right. Right. Just don't do that. Right. And, and, and I think that's, that's part of it too, is that even a lot of people that talk about this business being an abundance mindset and everybody approaches it that way, you can tell the difference between the people that really do and how much information they're willing to share, what they're willing to share about their markets, what they're willing to share, even people in their network. Right. And I understand there's some relationships that you do have to covet a little bit more than others. Right. And, and, and so, so that's a great segue actually for your original question. I think that the, the, the biggest thing, the biggest bone to pick with, with people uh, uh, in the industry against people starting is, Everyone says brokers, 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 brokers. They try to teach you how to navigate those conversations to avoid being asked for proof of funds and getting shut down. But especially in a market like this, when volume is so low, those brokers have five, six guys that they've been doing business with for years. And, and, and I don't know what the statistics are for, for like the, the specific ones, but the 80, 20 rule probably uh, applies here. Maybe not that exact ratio, but 20% of the brokers are doing 80% of the business in the marketplace. Like, I and what's, and what percentage of those brokers are just getting deals to their, their five syndicators that will close deals. And I don't blame the brokers, right? If I get a I deal with low inventory and you get a deal that's with premium pricing right now, 
it's like, well, where am I going to take this deal? Well, I'm going to take it to the top five guys that I know can close this thing in 60, 100%. 90 days. Why would I, why would I just go to Abe with this deal or Brandon with this deal? Who's never syndicated anything over a hundred units or whatever our experience is, sure. right? It's, sure. it's the challenges as newbies when you go into this is that, uh, is getting on that broker list, but also getting to the top. And the reality is you're not going to be at the top until you close deals. It's the bottom line. But every syndicator started with no deal, with no deals. Everyone was in a position where they had to make one first call to a broker to try to get the train moving. Yep. And you got to look at the, you got to look at the gurus out there. How long have they been doing this? The Michael Blancs and the Bowers and Rod Khalifs, they're probably 15, 20 years in the game. Yeah. I'm eight months into the game and I'm thinking, <laughs> you know, I'm wondering why I haven't syndicated a 150 unit deal. Cause it doesn't work like that. It doesn't work like that. No. What's so funny is uh, our stories are so paralleled too. Mm -hmm. the group that you put together and, and I don't know who, who did it. Right. And, uh, for, for my group, it was more of a meeting of the minds. We were like, all right, fuck it. Let's, let's do this. But it was same timing. We ran it. And, and even the, the challenges that we've talked about offline, we were like, wow, this is, that's it's literally exactly the same, same yeah. path. Right. Yeah. And so even though it feel that kind of feels crazy, we're not special. That's everybody right now. And, right. And, 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 and everybody does talk about this is a team sport and I could not agree more. And that's, and that's the one thing, uh, 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 uh all of the, all, all of the fundamentals that, that are out there and that people teach, I, I agree with 95% of it. Once you get into to the nitty gritty about, uh, the way, to present yourself and being able to talk about the jargon and fake it till you make it and all that stuff. I'm pretty, I'm pretty raw. <laughs> right. And, and, and so, uh, and something I think that's unique that I took from sales is just like, just be you. And that's, and, it. And that's, and that's what I, I see. I, I see often more times than, than not. And it, especially uh these guys with big funds right and like once they cross over, over over that line some of them definitely not all of them i could think of a couple in my head that are just i don't give a shit i'm still me right but uh it's it's like after they cross this certain line there's this air that they feel like they 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 have to uphold and so then they're their demeanor changes in conversation, the way they uh, manage their time is like, oh yeah, we used to talk a lot and we were coming up together, but now uh, I'm ahead. So I don't have time to speak with you anymore. Right. And, and, and I think that that's like a, that's like that middle ground, right? Like after you've started to taste a little bit of success, you're like, I'm making it. I'm, I'm the guy now. Right. Right. And, and, and then it flips eventually because they face challenges and they realize it, it, it's, it's. That just comes down to be it's just humility, right. Just stay yeah. humble, stay humble, no matter your successes. Right. And always remember, and you know, this, this podcast isn't just, you know, advice for newbies. It's advice for the experts and the gurus that we're talking about. It's, it's don't forget that everyone was once a beginner at this and, and make time for the little guy when you have a chance to make time. But 
I'll say this to the gurus though, they probably get approached by a bunch of tire kickers a lot. Got, you know, guys that yeah. say they want to be a multifamily, they say they want to syndicate, they say they want to buy properties, they try it for a few months and then they quit because they think they think they can flip the switch and all of a sudden close on properties and just because they have capital. This is a super, super competitive industry. Yeah, it's a team sport and a lot of people do deals together. GP groups come together and, and take down 200 unit deals between five or six different groups. But there's also 30 other groups going after that same deal. So this isn't, this isn't just a happy-go-lucky, everyone's going to help everything, everybody. You know, the bottom line is we're trying to buy multifamily property to make money. And when you involve money, it becomes very, very competitive. Don't forget that. At the scale that, that exactly we're, that we're actually doing it. And, and, and uh, when I was in door to door sales, I would run these sales meetings for like 50 people in this sweaty office. And we're all just standing there. It's like, it's like if you've seen Wolf of Wall Street and they're all standing, it's, it's like that. It yeah. really is. It, it, and anybody that, is listening to this, it's done door to door sales is probably grinning and thinking about those meetings. And so, uh, I, I had a knack for them. And so I, I would get up in in front of the room. And if there was one day that I was particularly fired up, I would, I would, I would tell people, I'd say, if you find an opportunity that's better than this, I challenge, I challenge you to go find it first of all. And then if you bring it to me and you show it to me, I will quit and I will go and do that. Right. And the thing about this opportunity in, in multifamily that's so insane, uh, 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 a friend of mine uh, right now who's it, in the space, um, I think you guys might, might, might know him, but they, they just did a, a, a deal for $56 million was the original asking price. And, and so that changed a couple of times. They dropped one of the assets in the portfolio, but um, so, so they're, they're still talking about like tens of millions of dollars. And these are guys that still have a W2. They're still, they, they, and, and they have families and some of them have college education and stuff, but, but these aren't, wall street guys they're not suits they're not stockbrokers. they don't have a bunch of crazy licensing they just figured this thing out and they figured out hey there's demand and if you have something that people want they're going to invest money in it yeah and 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 at at that scale it's one of the few things that's like hey cool if you don't trust me you trust the sec right here's a ppm yeah this is what this looks like Right. And hey, if, if you don't trust me, trust this entire team where we have thousands of doors under management. We have hundreds of doors already repositioned and force appreciated and sold and blah, 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 all that stuff. Right. Yeah. And that's where that person can come in and they can plug in. And 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 um, well, that's that's, you know, that's capital raising in a nutshell right there is about trust. You know, we we just went through a period of raising. Uh, we raised a half a million dollars in nine days. It took us six Holy months. Shit, yeah. It took us six months to basically create the relationships with these potential investors, which these investors were colleagues, friends, family. You know, friends of friends that we just connected with over a six month period and just said, "Hey guys, this is what we're doing. This is what we know. We know multifamily. We know apartments. We've done all the education." This is the team we built. This is our website. This is everything we're doing. A deal's coming. 
And we just kept talking to them. Why my multifamily? We did a webinar and then we just built trust with these, with these uh, people so that when we had the deal, basically we put it to the test to say, okay, do they really trust us? Because we trust us. We believe in us. We believe in this deal. We believe in the GP team. Let's see if they'll wire the money to this deal and to us. And lo and behold, they trusted us. Uh, you know, there's some, there's some guys in there that wire $25,000 without even looking at the deal because they believe in us so much. Yeah. They said, yeah, you believe in it. I'm in. That's how you raise capital. It's about being authentic and it's about building trust amongst your investors. And you'll start out with, you know, 10 investors at 25 K and you do it right by them and you give them the returns they need. Well, they're going to tell three or four people. So you'll have more of a bigger pool of investors for the next deal. And eventually your reputation will build that you are the trustworthy guy. If you want to rest in real estate, go see Abe or go see Brandon, because those guys are going to do what they say that they say they're going to do. There's no overpromising. There's no bullshit. It's authentic. They've got a team behind them and they do their due diligence. That's building trust. Anyways, I go on a rant for 45 minutes about that. I love it. Um, all right, let's transition. That's shit I love. Yeah, let's transition into you know, finding deals. You mentioned about, you know, the cookie cutter way to find a deal is through the broker or through the MLS. You know, you join the list, you get make connections with the broker, they send you deals. We get a ton of deal flow that way. We've closed on a couple of deals that way. We've closed on deals inside the MLS. But the the way that these brokers and everyone is getting deals is obviously going to the owners of the property. So Correct. give us your rundown on, on your strategy to get to these owners and what you got going on in that space. Sure. So one, one caveat before I launch into this, just because I wanted to be perfectly clear. Uh, I, was a, I was a real estate agent on Long Island for a short period of time. And then someone didn't like the pink flex and the granite countertop. And I was like, I can't do this anymore. So, um, <laughs> uh, so, so brokers, the, the good ones earn what they make 1 million percent. They are worth every penny that you end up arguably paying them or not paying them when you purchase, right. They, they, they do their job and they're, consummate professionals right and so i would i i'm i would never and have never been the kind of guy who's going to go and ask that broker to give up points to make a deal work a because if 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 you're having to ask him for a point that deal it's not a deal right it, it's it's just not how it pans out but so brokers fantastic i have relationships with a lot of them right still still haven't had any deals come from those brokers but uh uh that takes time right and track record and like you said they got to make sure that you can deliver and actually close for us being a new group just like you guys we're not going to compete with institutional investors on 100 plus units let alone uh, the local guys who have four or 500 units in, in, in one, one MSA, right? So going direct to seller, you get a lot more control over the process. And that's, and that's, and that's something that when you're working with a broker, especially if it's the listing broker, they have a fiduciary responsibility to their client, the seller. Can they also represent you? Yes. And can you have your own broker? Sure. But there's a veil there, 
there's a veil there. And so, for example, the 16 unit we're in the process of negotiating right now, we actually may be able to take it as an MLO. And uh, I don't know if I mentioned that already or not, but so we go to the property, we meet with the seller uh, and he immediately starts complaining about the asset. Just, just, just completely rattling off. The tenants were terrible. I had to kick them all out. COVID screwed me. And then we're walking through the units that have been renovated, right? So we're walking through some of these units and we're like, it looks like a, a kid with a tool belt full of crayons, like came <laughs> in and tried to rehab these units. <laughs> and uh, so, so it, the, the renovations were done cheaply. He's using his cash flow from another asset to do the capex on this one, right? Cause that one's a cash cow. So he's trying to balance it out and do it over here. He didn't raise money. Um, so he wasn't able to execute on that full plan. Plus COVID did hit giving him the benefit of the doubt here, but he closed in 2019. Yeah. Yeah. He, he had plenty of time to get this thing flipped and reposition both on the tenant base, the physical reposition, the operational reposition. So his rents are all over the place. He told us, and he's like, yeah, it's really annoying, but some of these units and he's having property management problems because he's going cheap. And yeah. so a contractor ran off with money. Uh, there's, there's one unit because he's the only one. Oh, and his, his relationship with his business partners, is not great right now. And so uh, there's one unit that's flooding and it's ruining a unit next to it. That's mostly already been rehabbed and you walk into it and it's wet. So he's already rehabbed one, didn't get it rented. So didn't know that it, it was starting to flood. And, and so um, anyway, uh, and that, and that, that was just a, it was a sink leak. It was a sink leak, man. Just eyes on the property, managing that could have just closed it up and not ruined all of your new carpet and everything else. All right. So the owner, we know the owner, all the pain. Okay. So at the end end of this, all the pain at the end of this, I go and I say, all right, cool. We're going to start to get some paperwork together. Do you have anything that you would prefer that we use? Just trying to make them as comfortable as possible. And he's like, oh, I'm not in a hurry. He's not in a hurry to sell. You're not in a hurry, huh? That's the card you're going to play right now. With a broker, with a broker, you will never see any of that. He will not play those cards. And that's why sellers use brokers. Right. And guess what? He ha- his other property is listed with a very large broker in our area. But this one isn't. But this one isn't. Because so you appro- you approached him about buying his property. He told you all the pain points he had with the property, how much he hates it, blah, blah, blah. You say, okay, well, I want to buy it. And he says, I don't want to sell it, pretty much. Well, no, he wants to sell it. He said, yes, I'll oh, okay. and and offer because of X, Y, and Z. But all of that came down to working directly with the seller, building the relationship with him, bullshitting. He's, he's in the Navy Reserves. Uh, uh, he was over in Spain. Uh, I, I, all this stuff. Right. So, so, so building the relationship with him to where he likes me, he trusts me. I'm not trying to go in there and, and rake him over the coals. How long did that take you to build that relationship? 
two days. Two days. Is that normal? Is there, or does it take longer than that? Or is it just kind of case by case? It's case by case. Yeah. But, but this guy just happened to be like, yeah, I'm willing to have a conversation about it. He seemed pretty easygoing and he, he is, but, uh, so just going into that, all of the control. So he has all the pain. I'm aware of all of it. So now we have all of the control in that deal. Now his, his purchase price, what he wants is probably too much. Well, a broker is just going to list that and say, all right, cool. This is what he wants. This is what the market's dictating or the broker won't list it. Cause he's like, you're completely unrealistic. I'm not going to waste my time. Right. But in this case, when you're doing more creative financing, there's a lot more levers that you can do. And when you're working with a broker, those levers are, they're not always completely off the, off the table. But for the most part, if you tell a broker, Hey, I want to do an, and MLO with, with this guy, the broker and rightfully so is like, well, how the hell am I going to get paid? When am right. I going to get paid? Right. And are you, are, are you going to pay for it? Cause the seller is not getting cashed out for two, three, four, five, six years, whatever you negotiate with him. Right. So how'd you get to this? How'd you get to this owner? How'd you get to him? Uh, so, um, one of the folks that uh, I work with, um, so there's my group, uh, the investment group, which is Core Investment Partners. And that's me, Mike Makla, Rustin Najmabadi, and my girlfriend, uh, Kathleen McGarrell. Uh, she'll hate me because I said Kathleen. It's actually Kate. But uh, so, so there's that part. And so uh, we have a buddy that we've uh, put in some offers with. His name's Colby Bowers. Um, and so we had an offer out. Uh, uh, with him in Indiana on a, on 120 unit. And long story short, we got beat out by 30%. Our debt service coverage ratio was a, 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 a 1.15. So whoever came in and did that, we, we couldn't reverse engineer it, right? So then we started to go direct to seller because that guy we put the offer in with, uh, he had an overseas uh, VA, who's calling directly a list of data that he pulled from one source uh, and had a modicum of success with that. He's closed four deals on it. So he's right. finding the data of, he's picking a market, finding the data of the owners of the properties. And yep. he's hired a virtual assistant to basically cold call the property and say, hey, uh, you, you want to sell? Yeah. Pretty much? Yep. Okay. I at the at the very basal level even a broker that conversation is get data call that data find out if they want to sell and get it closed okay that's 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 really it it's that simple but uh the complexity of how you go about that and especially once you start dealing with large sets of data can get really tough and i can go on and on and on about that but so she calls she hands the warm leads of those sellers to us and so in the first month out of like 570 something records from one source um we ended up uh with like 20 leads and and that's in, in the first month and so this one of one of those leads it's funny the one that we called him on the actual property was listed uh with uh the, a very large broker in our area 
And uh, he's like, yeah, that one's already listed, but I got this other one out here. Are you interested? So it wasn't even the lead that we called him on, but we built the relationship with him to where right. he was like, I do got this other one and it is causing me pain. Cause, cause when people end up uh, selling a property, even, even, uh, even if it's not pain, there's still a motivation. There's yeah. a, a motivation because going through that process is difficult. It takes, it takes a lot of time. And even if it's mostly on a, on autopilot and you're using a broker, there's still a lot of prep. You got to get them all the documents. You got to get it show ready to some extent. And in this market, we're obviously seeing some people aren't taking that part quite as seriously because it's just flying off the shelves. But, uh, but yes, so that, that, that deal that we're negotiating right now is, was from one of those leads. From basically, yeah. And, and basically in a nutshell, you are trying to find true off-market deals, you know, some overused terms right now and some fluff that we like to call that is, is off-market and value add. Those terms right now are overused through the roof. It, it drives me crazy because a true, it's an off-market deal. Well, no, it's not because you just posted it online. It's not off-market. It's on market. A true off-market deal is what you're doing. You're going to the owner by yourself and saying, hey, I want to buy that property before anybody else gets a chance to. Correct. And you negotiate directly with the owner. And we've closed properties like that. And then a value add is, I don't want to go down the rabbit hole of value add, but a lot of brokers are overusing that term to attract buyers. You know, you have a 170 unit apartment complex and 168 units have been renovated to, to the max. And there's two units left and they call it a value, value add. add opportunity. Value add opportunity. What are you talking about? Brandon? <laughs> do, you know, do, you, do you know how much money we can make from renovating? What's that? Uh, less than <laughs> 1% of those units. Yeah. So anyways, back to uh, like $2,000, man. Do that. <laughs> Why aren't we picking these up? I know it. That's, that's maybe that's a conversation for another day about the value add term being used. Um, but on the off market deal. So let's talk about, you know, let's, let's close this, this conversation out with what you've got going on and your strategy to help other teams find true off market deals. You know, you're kind of using the wholesale mentality and taking it over to multifamily to help GP groups like myself and other people find off-market deals. So give us, uh, I guess, give us the rundown of what it entails and what's your ideas behind it. Sure. So um, uh, I'm going to give you the two minute elevator pitch and then you can dive in to the questions if you want. Okay. To that sounds great. Yep. Yeah. So we, so, so as, as, as I broke it down earlier, you've got your data, which is the core. That's where all of it starts, is being able to make sure that you're actually calling the right people, right? So you have your data, you have people that are calling that data, right? So you call that data, you have to sort through and follow up on that data. So there's systems in place for that, right? And then you finally have the, at, the actual closing part right so the data what we've done is we've come up with more or less a proprietary means of uh corroborating between five to six different premium if 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 you can think of a brand in the space that sells data for multifamily, we have a subscription and so we corroborate all of that data to get the most accurate lists that are possible 
Uh, and so we're starting with record sets of roughly 500 data points, five, 500 properties. And then, uh, so when, when we were working with Colby uh, using his uh, VA, uh, I realized a lot of in inconsistency with the product that we were being given those leads. So one lead would have an emoji, which none of the other ones did. One lead would be perfectly punctuated and, and, and capitalized. One lead would be completely run on sentence, broken English. Right. And, and so I realized, wow, this is probably not the same person calling basically impossible to prove unless you're recording those calls. But um, so, so the actual calling part, we are training US based uh, cold callers to know multifamily specifically uh, to understand sales, right? Which uh, my girlfriend and I, Kate, we actually are training those folks and we're able to teach a little bit of that sales part, right? <laughs> and so, because uh, that's another tangent. So, so we have the data, we have the cold callers, they're all US based. Uh, we're targeting uh, military spouses and veterans uh, for those initial cold callers. And there's opportunities for those guys if they really like the industry to learn multifamily and to become acquisition managers, whether it's for us or potentially some of the clients that we bring on. Right. Um, that's that's a that's a down the road thing but that's that's what their trajectory looks like so they're invested in the idea they're invested in learning all of that information right so uh then we have a back end which uh we provide uh premium real estate s s crm uh as part of uh that deal uh it's called investor fuse. Um, if anybody has done wholesaling or looked up software or done any of that stuff, they know it, they understand how it stacks up to other C CRMs. And so we've, uh, we've worked with their, their sales team and a couple people there, uh, to work with them on actually growing out our function, uh, sp specifically because there is no tool that fits what we're doing because nobody's tried to scale this like this right so so uh we're using an uh in in investor fuse for er for everybody to be able to follow up and to develop those leads and work that pipeline which comes to the last point which is the acquisitions portion someone on that team has to be able to follow up on that we will equip them with all the tools that they need but we're, we're not promising, oh, cool, you have a deal. What we're promising is warm to hot leads uh, and your target market. And the real cream on top with all of this is uh, we are artificially limiting the number of clients that we bring on because we uh, promise exclusivity on data sets. Okay, 10,000 foot view right here. This is what I want to try to and just, just jump in if I don't explain this right, but just trying to keep some layman terms, 10,000 foot view. I, I call it the 10,000 foot view, Brandon. You're good, but you also <laughs> said it was going to be the two minute elevator pitch, which was a lie. <laughs> no, it's good. I want to, I want to break it down yeah. to just real simple. Abe, I want to, I want 
data sets. I'm going to pick a market. I want Mobile, Alabama. I come to you and I say, Abe, I'm going to pay your team to pull the data on Mobile, Alabama. Have your, have your cold callers call all the owners based off my criteria. I set my criteria, get 500 listings. You call all the owners. You document all the calls, the text, recorded calls that I can listen to. And then you allow me to go into the CRM and see, listen to those calls and find out who the hot leads are. At that point, it's up to me and my team to call the hot leads and say, hey, and I can, I can use all the, day, all the recordings, all the notes as reference when I'm calling these owners. And I have exclusivity on that zip code within Mobile. Is that correct? I need to steal your elevator pitch on <laughs> our product. Well, this is recording, so you can just go back and listen to it. But yeah. Okay. So very, it's, that's, that's the simplest version is you're taking almost what brokers are doing right now in their markets, but you're trying right. to serve um, specific GP teams and saying, here's exclusivity versus what yep. the broker is doing is finding those same deals and then blasting it out to their entire network of buyers. You're trying to make it more of an exclusive opportunity to find true off-market deals using all the premier software, the Reonomy, the CoStar, you know, there's, there's, like you said, there's five or six of them that you guys have subscriptions to. And I've then been approached by brokers yeah. heard that we're actually doing this and they've wanted to actually su subscribe to the service and it's and it's because for brokers there that's just a start for them then yeah. they have to service it they have to service the business so when they're looking at their day they're looking at i got to make sure i get my 120 calls in right mm -hmm. for that week or 100 calls depending on what the metric is right now it's probably more than that if you don't have listings or business to actually service but so for them, that's just one piece, which is why I say they, they earn their money completely. And, yeah. and, and I can't imagine that, but that's all we do. That's it. Our, so that's our so focus. for our listeners out there, if someone's interested in learning more about what you're offering or potentially being a client and coming on board, how do they find out? How do they find you? How do they find out about it? Absolutely. Uh, that information I'll give to you to put in the description uh, right now, uh, our name, our branding, we're still establishing, uh, because we now have, we have one soft commit left that we need to kind of wrap up, uh, uh, to, 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 to actually launch. And because we're capping at hundred to 150 customers, the name, it's all going to be word of mouth. It's all, it, it's going to be podcasts and word of mouth and that's it. Okay. The, the the actual advertising for this because once we hit that, that's it. Yeah. We, the, the, we are capped, and then we get what we want out of it, which is a little bit of extra cash flow. But then also, uh, we get to use that service for our own markets. Correct. Right? Yeah. No, I, I love the idea. I think uh, I think if you are interested, like you said in in the notes, we'll put uh, Abe's email address and contact information, and there'll be more information. Uh, but you can reach out to him for more information on it. Uh, all right, Abe, wrapping up here real quick. You are not necessarily considered a newbie. You've done deals before. You guys are negotiating the 16-year deal. You have a team in place. Like rewind a year ago and put yourself in those shoes. What advice would you give to yourself 
a year ago, knowing what you know now about everything? Don't be a little bitch. (laughs) Like, like, like not, don't, don't be a little bitch. And, and so I'm, I'm, I don't recommend this for everybody, but the advice to myself is uh, don't wait, don't wait. And also like uh, an overused term in this industry, people say burn the boats, right? Yeah. And, and I don't think that a lot of people understand what the actual gravity of that is because you used to have these Vikings or whatever nationality because it was more than just vikings but they would literally leave their families they would leave their homes and they would get onto these boats and they would pick a place where they were going to go and they were going to take over right when they landed on that shore they had their weapons they had probably a little bit of food some water right but they literally burned their boats so there was no option there was no plan b there was no no, 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 no. They either won or they died. And so for me, uh, I was lucky enough to meet a few people uh, here where I'm at now, uh, where I felt the confidence where I was just like, all right, this is it. I'm going to, I'm going to fucking die on this hill. This is, this is it. And I committed, I don't work a day job. I'd, I'd make money where I can. Right. And, 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 but, but my focus for 70, 80, uh, hours out of the week is some facet of multifamily. And I don't suggest to people that you, to most people, right. But to that guy, that's like me, my advice, right. So that question, don't be a little bitch. If you know that you can do it. And if you really actually believe in this thing, quit fucking around and go. Just, just, just do not make any excuses. Don't make a plan B and also don't think about it. If you got a wife and kids and all that stuff, yes, there's some other considerations that you're going to have to make, but at the end of the day, and, and maybe this is a little bit arrogant of me to think, but I put myself in the position and I really try to imagine that I have all of those things and I know that I can't, and I know, I, I, I know there's no way that I can possibly imagine that but knowing myself and knowing that that guy out there who maybe hears me and is like oh wow that sounds like me right uh uh don't be a little bitch figure it out make it make it happen and 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 if i told you all the shit that i've been through in the last eight months 12 months we wouldn't have enough time on a podcast but but it's just you you take it on the chin you keep going you keep getting knocked down and you just get back up and I take as much action as possible as quickly as you can. And, love and it, man. If, if this is what you want. I love it, dude. I love the passion. All right. Where can people find you, man? Website, email address, what you got phone number. Sure. Uh, Abram, you on LinkedIn. If you want to call me, uh, my cell phone number is eight zero eight three, four, seven, four, eight, zero, four. Uh, my core investment partners email, which is the syndication side of the house is Abe at coreinvestmentpartners.com. Abe, good man. Appreciate your time, buddy. Brandon, thanks. All right.
Thanks for listening to the Gorilla State Investing Podcast, where we give you the ground-pounding truth about what it takes to be successful in real estate. Learn more at realfocus.org slash gorillastatepod.